Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas Health Science Center at San Antonio and its Biggs Institute, expanding the horizons of dementia research and advancing comprehensive care. Learn more at uthealthdementia.org. Jacqueline Revere is a TikTok star. I'm going to make my mom's favorite sweet snack that I don't mind because it's not candy, but it's still sweet. So you need butter. I don't know if you guys know, but I stutter. That's what that was. Sugar and carrots. Jacqueline's a trained actress with an MFA who first gained a social media following for her posts about having a stutter. But it's Jacqueline's videos about her mom that have earned her more than 600,000 followers across TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Let's go step by step and seeing how difficult it can be to put shoes on my mom. So right here, I'm trying to get my mom to look down at her foot. She has no idea what I'm talking about. You can tell because when you look at her, she's just pointing like, what? Jacqueline's mother, Lynn Hindman, has Alzheimer's. Jacqueline is her full-time caregiver. Her Instagram handle is mom of my mom. Happy Tuesday, we're back with another Alzheimer's trial and error. So look y'all, Mama Lynn does not like to wear a mask. She takes them off in public, it's no- Something I learned is that she can get aggressive with her reflection in the mirror. We took the mirror down in the bathroom, but what am I supposed to do about this huge one, right? Let me show you. You can see Jacqueline making fidget toys for her mom to keep her hands busy or watch them try on jewelry. Her mom has great style. She's usually in a bright colored sweater, pink or orange, sometimes a hat, sometimes leggings. You can watch while they just start singing or dance together. You're my best friend. Yeah? You're my best friend. (laughs) Jacqueline and her mom are so affectionate with each other. But Jacqueline isn't shy about showing how hard it is to care for someone with Alzheimer's or sometimes how weird. Y'all, I put sanitizer on my mother's hand and then she ate it. Jacqueline Revere was just 29 when she gave up her career in New York and moved home to California to care for her mother. She has a hard time comprehending full sentences at nighttime. So if I say something like, get in the bed, she doesn't really understand it. After a lot of coaxing, I got her in the bed. It took about an hour. (laughs) This is what it's like being a caregiver. Someone pray for me. But this is why it's important to have a village. Being a sole caregiver of someone who has Alzheimer's is almost impossible. We need support. I started this podcast for this exact reason. I cared for my dad for three years. And I can tell you, caregivers need serious support. I'm Kitty Isley. And this is 24-7, a podcast about caregiving. 50 million Americans are taking care of someone over 50 unpaid. And about a quarter of those caregivers are millennials, like Jacqueline. Jacqueline's been her mom's caregiver for five years now. And for the first year and a half, she took care of her grandmother, who had dementia, too. It all started one night back in New York. Jacqueline was on the subway, heading out to a comedy club with friends, when she saw a message come through on her phone. She got off at the next stop to listen. And it said, hey, you need to fly home. Something is wrong with your mom. And they pretty much said, we don't know what's wrong, but something is wrong with your mom. So a few days later, I ended up flying home. And I came home 
to see the house how I had not seen it in ever. I thought you described it somewhere, and I it was very recognizable to me. Weird things, you know, uh, food that's gone off in the fridge or things that haven't been put away, a great deal of messiness that's not typical of your mom, or in my case, of my parents, things that were just way off. Right. And then on top of that, we had mail saying that um, the house was going to be going into foreclosure soon. And so learning that the mortgage payments hadn't gone through and it pretty much showed me that there was something really crazy going on and that I had to figure it out and it was just me so when I first came home I tried to get everything done I ended up burning myself out my hair started like fall out. What needed to have been done within a year, I probably tried to get done in like four months because I was still thinking that I could return to my life. But then once I came to the understanding that like, no, this is your life. You can either sell the house and then put them somewhere, which when I came home, my mom was only, what, 50? 59, I think. Yeah. And so I didn't want to put my mom anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. She was still, like, somewhat here. And, you know, we we could still laugh and talk and and all of that. And my grandmother was at the place where she did not even know who I was. She was far off um, talking to voices that she heard and and um, very angry. And for that year and a half before she passed, it was really hard. It was really hard trying to find help who can watch two people, trying to find someone who even knew how to deal with someone who was as combative and trying to figure out how to pay for it and trying to figure myself out and and work and and meeting people and social and being 29 yeah i mean 29 30 this is like the beginning of your career in your life exactly exactly it scared me it scared the hell out of me i don't even know if i can express it in any other way but it it i was i was so afraid it is terrifying it sounds traumatic yeah yeah. It sounds really traumatic to think that, oh my gosh, my place, my home could be at risk here. That is super scary. It is super traumatizing. And I wonder, was anybody helping you or physician or counseling or family members? I know you're an only child, but um, did you find any help or you really had to set this up on your own? I had to do it on my own. I had to do it on my own. And I went through a very deep depression Mm -hmm. and it got really bad for a while and then two people that I knew from New York reached out and they told me that they would pay for six months of therapy oh that's so kind yeah that was the lifeline that saved me because had I not had that I don't I don't even know if I would be here right now if I'm honest
We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Jacqueline explains how the help she got from her friends inspired her to help others. I want to tell you about a really good podcast that I'm listening to. It's called This is Critical from writer Virginia Heffernan. You might remember her from Trumpcast. So if our show 24-7 is looking critically at one part of society, how we take care of the people we love, Virginia is asking us to think critically about American culture in all its aspects. What assumptions are we walking around with about being American? Why are we being told we have to be at war with each other if we don't share each other's beliefs? Why aren't we allowed to be sad in public? And who decided Bruce Springsteen is a god anyway? This is Critical is smart, it's fearless, it's sophisticated. And I need smart conversations right now. I need people around me who read and think and know a lot more than I do. It's one of my top listens. You can find This is Critical on Stitcher, the SiriusXM app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I hope you do. Okay, back to our show. Like all of us who care for a loved one, Jacqueline Revere had to learn how to adapt to her mom's changing condition. In all honesty, what really taught me how to just kind of be what my mom needs was 2020. Like life came to a standstill for everyone. And it really told me that, you know, everything can change in the blink of an eye. Before COVID, Jacqueline had gotten her mom into a day program near their home outside Los Angeles. But COVID meant her mom's day center was closed. And Jacqueline had to care for her 24-7, no breaks. And so it really, you know, forced me in a lot of ways to just really kind of like check whatever was left (laughs) of Mm -hmm. my ego and say like, okay, look, what's more important? That your mom has a bath or that you fight with her about it. And the needing for her to take the bath was much more important. So it was a lot of me checking my ego over and over and over again, which is what I think giving care forces you to do. It forces you to say, okay, this person doesn't want to do what you want them to. How are you going to get them to do it without like you forcing yourself on them? And that's kind of where the creativity of giving my mom care started, where I was like, okay, so if you want to do it this way, let's try it that way. And if you want to do it that way, let's try it 15 other ways, you know, and it, it, it forces me to just kind of think outside of the box. You have a great, there's a great example on Instagram where you want her to have some, her vitamin D. I can't get her to consistently take a pill, so I decided to get it in liquid form. And here's how it went. And you try to give it to her and she's really clever. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want it in the spoon. Then she figures out you tried to put it in yogurt. Mm-hmm. And then she had the audacity to smell it. You see that face she made? She was like, no, you did something to that. And then walked off. But as with everything, if you give it some time, I waited about five minutes, turned some music on outside. And then she gladly ate her yogurt with her vitamin D. This was a success. Jacqueline is a lot more lighthearted in some of these videos than I was doing things like 
helping my dad get in and out of the car. No, it's not easy to understand what Alzheimer's is like, but let me show you what it's like to try to get my mom in the car. Something that should have took 20 seconds, took five minutes. Let's watch. Look at her face. She already mad. I'm telling her what to do. I still feel a little conflicted, even being so public about my dad's frailties with this podcast, since he was never a frail person. But Jacqueline's at ease in front of a camera, and it's her candor with her mom on camera, I think, that's attracted a big audience of young caregivers like herself. And this is where I think she's done something unique. Remember how she said her friends gave her a gift? They paid for therapy for six months. Remember how she said how crucial it was that it was a lifeline? Well, Jacqueline's figured out how to do similar things for other young caregivers. The nonprofit Do As We Do has partnered with Mom of My Mom to give 20 caregivers a $400 grant to do whatever they want with. Go to that hotel, get that massage, get that fancy dinner, and hire someone to take care of your loved one for once, y'all. Here are the guidelines to submit. Literally, if there's one thing that I can do with my platform, if I can help people who are in this same position that need time for themselves to get it, then that is what I will do. I know what it's like to feel so overwhelmed and so sad. Like when you're caring for a parent who has it, you're like mourning all the time. You're sad all the time. And sometimes you just need moments to not think about what is going on. And you need those moments often. Like uh, right now, I can feel it slowly starting again. And that's like, all right, time to plan a trip. (laughs) Where am I going to go? And so like me even, you know, making sure that I'm consistently taking care of myself and then showing that I'm just hoping that that encourages other people to stay on top of it for themselves also. It's so familiar. Everything you say is so familiar. And I'm just just a few months past it now. I still feel like it's almost like PTSD, which I, I don't uh, use that lightly. Yes. I still wake up in the middle of the night worried that my front door is wide open and my grandmother's not in her bed. I still wake up and she passed away in 2017. And so I I honestly think that there is a type of PTSD that comes with caring for a parent that people don't acknowledge. Absolutely. Jacqueline wants people to talk honestly about all the aspects of caregiving. In her family's case, she had to stabilize her mom's finances pretty quickly when she moved home. So she decided to rent rooms in their house which she still does, to friends who can help out and provide some income. And like a lot of influencers, Jacqueline also has a small line of merchandise. She's designed hoodies and sweatshirts she calls Alzheimer's Awareness Apparel. I actually like started making shirts with like little quotes that I really identify with. So we have one that says, I am my mother's keeper. And we have um, plenty more, but I started it because I did not identify with the term caregiver at all. 
when that is exactly what I was. And so I have been like trying to find ways to make it feel real and make something that makes me feel good about calling myself that. And so I have been learning so much about care and learning that at some time we will all need care and that it's not something to feel ashamed of, but something to know exists and something to even take pride in. I absolutely take pride in the way that I care for my mom. And so wearing the uh, shirts and like sweatshirts, it's all me kind of taking pride in the amount of work and care that I put into it. And it's really come to a point where I'm so proud. I'm so proud of the work that I do. I'm so proud that like I have this platform to help others. I'm proud that my mom is receiving the best care that she can. And I'm just demonstrating that by wearing it. Um, And also, I think caregivers deserve so much more respect, so much more visibility, so much more money, so much more resources. And I think that if we can just start by like wearing it, then we can slowly edge towards all of the other things as well. It's so clever. You know, it it just, I liked, I think it was a silhouette or something of your mom. I remember seeing it early on and it's like, just what a beautiful thing. And it invites people to ask a question too. It's like mm-hmm. you go to the grocery store line and I was talking to a dementia advocate this morning, an Alzheimer's advocate. And he talked about this, you know, need for us to make it public and visible. And, you know, even if it's as strange as being in a grocery store line, tell someone, yeah, today I've been taking care of a parent with Alzheimer's. It's been a real thing. And just remind people this exists because so much of it is behind closed doors and we don't know what's going on in people's families because it's at home or it's in an institution. So you don't see it and you're not cognizant of how many people are doing this. Exactly. Do you have friends in your own age group that are also doing this? I just recently hired a new caregiver and she's 25 and she just finished caring for her grandmother who had it. And so I'm absolutely finding younger people who have been caring for people since they were seven, eight, nine. And they just never had the opportunity to share and, and talk about what that was like for them. What was the hardest part to figure out? Was it the financial part or was it the self-care part or was it having your mom accept outside caregivers? Was there a thing that, you know, as as I go forward with this podcast that I can highlight as something people need to pay attention to? You know, honestly, the hardest part for myself was taking the time, not feeling bad to do self-care, not feeling bad leaving, like figuring out the money happened. It wasn't easy, but I think that was much easier than the amount of guilt I felt leaving. And that was the hardest part for me. Dealing with the lack of support, feeling 
unloved and uncared for and forgotten about. That was the hardest part. So I think the mental aspect of it is harder than the actual care. I think it's so powerful and I do think it's a real service and, you know, God bless. I hope that gives you some support and that the recognition you start to get also can pay some dividends so that you continue to get some, some of your own care. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I know that it will work its way out. Mm -hmm. Um, I get so much joy from knowing that other people don't feel as lonely as they once felt. And so like that pays so much because having been there and knowing that my my platform is here to help people who are in that same position fills my heart up. Jacqueline Revere, who cares for her mom, Lynn Hindman, who has Alzheimer's. You can see her on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube on her account, Mom of My Mom. And remember, we want to hear your experiences with caregiving, like this one from a listener. What do I wish people knew about millennial family caregivers? I wish people knew the magnitude of decisions that we have to make. I am having to make a decision right now about selling a piece of property that will greatly affect my brother, my sister, our children, and our futures financially and legally. And yet I'm a young woman who is out of the workforce and therefore has no benefits, does not have great credit, and I'm treated by society as if I'm doing some kind of menial woman's work that I'm not even being compensated for. How can we give credit for this work as a society so that young people benefit rather than suffer for having done it? If you have a comment about your frustrations or challenges or even small triumphs, send us a short voice memo or an email to 247 at tpr.org. That's the numbers 247 at t for Texas, pr.org, and we might include it in a future episode. 24-7 is produced by me, Kitty Isley, with Ben Henry. We have editing help from Cindy Carpian and Rekha Murthy. 24-7, a podcast about caregiving, is a production of Texas Public Radio. Stories like those shared in this podcast inspire the work being done at the Biggs Institute of the University of Texas Health Science Center at San Antonio. We are building an inclusive community designed to support everyone impacted by dementia, starting with improved care for patients and their caregivers. Thanks to this commitment and the work of our partners, San Antonio has been named a dementia-friendly city by Dementia-Friendly America. Learn more at uthealthdementia.org.